Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here. Do you know that God selected Jeremiah not at his birth, not when he was conceived in the womb of his mother, but in eternity past? God selected Jeremiah, a unique prophet that would come forth with a unique prophecy. He was to be the prophet to the nations. Well, I'm telling you this because in just a moment, we're going to study about Jeremiah and how he understood God's creative acts as it relates to Bible prophecy. This is something we need to understand, and if you'll stay tuned, we'll have a study on that subject in just a moment. Let me remind you that I have a series entitled Jeremiah, A Unique Prophecy, which is a five-hour audio series on CD. It talks about a unique prophet, a unique prophecy, and a unique purpose. We think about the creation concepts as it relates to Jeremiah's message. We'll do that in just a moment. Jeremiah and the Jew, Jeremiah and the Judgment, and Jeremiah and Babylon. These are the titles of the five different parts on this five-hour audio series on the book of Jeremiah. You can order it. We'll tell you how to do it. But first, let's have a study thinking about Jeremiah's creation concepts. God made some promises, one of them to Abraham. I stood not too long ago in Hebron, just out of Jerusalem, at the spot where God, I believe it was Jesus Christ, a pre-incarnate appearance. Abraham says he saw him. He saw God. You don't see God the Father. There's a God you don't see, that's God the Father. There's a God you can't see, that's God the Holy Spirit. There's a God you can see, that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is throughout the entire Old Testament. One of these days I'm going to do a study on Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Abraham came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior when he saw him. 18th chapter of the book of Genesis. 19th chapter. Oh man, it's exciting to study. And I'll tell you where I got it from. You know, I started a church in Jerusalem and I got a, an Israeli named Minno Kalashir. Minno Kalashir is a Hebrew. I mean, his mother tongue is Hebrew. And he studied through, and he started sharing this with me, and it's been, it's unbelievable he's in there. But uh, here God said to Abraham, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do all of this for you. And if God doesn't keep to that promise, how can I accept any promise he gives to me about eternal life? You know, if, if he flakes out over here, why won't he flake out on me? God's got a commitment. He has told the Jews that he will sustain them by his creative power as long as the sun, the moon, and the stars are in the heavenlies. Look over at chapter 33. Chapter 33, verse 20. Here's something else. This is going to guarantee the second coming of Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Verse 20. Similar to what we just read, but... Thus saith the Lord, if ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, he created day and night on the first day of creation. He separate. We're going to look at that in just a moment, so I better not get into that. But he said, if you can break my covenant of the day and the night, and, and I guarantee you, I, I'm only 60 years old, but I have seen a lot of days and nights. And you know, they are as consistent. It's unbelievable how consistent they are. I have never seen it be two nights in a row and then a day. Anybody seen that happen? As long as I, I'm consistent on 
day and night. As long as you can't break that covenant, oh boy, as long as you can't do that, that there shall not be day and night, look at verse 21, then may also my covenant not be broken with David my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne. <laughs> look at verse 25. Thus says the Lord, if my covenant be not with the day and the night, and if I am not appointed the ordinance of, of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob, get rid of the Jews, and David my servant, so I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. You know, God made a, an absolute commitment to David. Seventh chapter of the book of 2 Samuel. I commit to you. I'm not going to let you build the temple. I'm going to let your son, Solomon, build that temple. But one of your sons is going to rule on that temple forever. From that temple, on that throne. Forever. In fact, do you know what? Part of that Davidic covenant is God's going to resurrect King David. And he's going to be co-regent with Jesus Christ at the temple in Jerusalem. You don't believe that? You said, well, that sounds like blasphemy. Well, if it is, it's blasphemy from the Word of God. Let me show you that just a second. Go over, keep your finger here, go over to Ezekiel just a moment. Ezekiel chapter 34. Let me show you something. Just, just quickly, just a little side trail for a moment here. Ezekiel chapter 34. This is a great chapter. In Ezekiel chapter 34, 18 times, God says, I will. Now, if God says it once, it's good enough for me, but if he says it 18 times, you better pay attention. He says, I will reach into the world. I will gather the Jews from the four corners of the earth where they've gone. I will bring them into their land. I will feed them like a good shepherd feeds his sheep on a, on a beautiful uh, place in the desert. Now look what he says here in verse 23. And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. Not talking about Jesus Christ. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. That word prince is used 21 times from chapters 34 to 46. 21 times, every single time it's used, it's referring to King David. Over in the 45th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, it's talking about, well, let's go there. He's talking about what's going to happen in the, when the temple stands in the millennial kingdom. And, and look, at there's going to be sacrifices reinstituted in the kingdom temple. I'm not talking about the temple in the tribulation, the seven-year period. I'm talking about the kingdom period. Verse 21, just one example. In the first month, in the 14th day of the month, you shall have the Passover. This is one of the seven Jewish feasts. A feast of seven days, unleavened bread shall be eaten. Verse 22, and upon that day shall the prince prepare for himself and for all the people of the land a bullock for a sin offering. Let me tell you something, folks. Jesus Christ, who will be ruling and reigning from that temple, temple described in Ezekiel 40 to 46, 202 verses of minutely detailed information. He'll be ruling and reigning from that temple. He'll build that temple, Zechariah 6, 12. And then the ruler and the reigner of it. But he'll have as his co-regent, King David, who is the prince, who will offer. Jesus Christ doesn't offer a sacrifice for himself, even in symbolic purposes in the future, as a memorial. 
King David, the prince, will do that. Go back to chapter 37 of Ezekiel. Chapter 37 of Ezekiel talks about what's going to happen in the future. And look here in verse 24. And David, my servant, shall be king over them. This is talking about in chapter 37, the Jews being brought into the land and coming unto Jesus Christ the Savior. And they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in the judgments and observe my statutes and do them, and they shall dwell in the land. Look down in verse 25. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. I'm not talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not a prince. He's a king. It's talking about King David. Back over here now in Jeremiah chapter 33, by what authority is King David going to be, have his covenant fulfilled and be the co-regent? By the authority of the power of creation who spoke the worlds into existence, who said, let there be day and let there be night. And if you can't break that covenant, if you can't discombobulate the days and the nights, then God's going to follow through just exactly like he said he was going to. Uh, I, I'm not going to take the last one. Chapter 51 talks about Babylon being destroyed. And again, the power of creation. He talks about what he created, and now it gives him authority to destroy Babylon. We'll look at that uh, later on in the week. I've talked with you now about the prophet, the prophecy, and creation. And there's a connection between the two. If you do not accept creation... As the origin of man, you cannot accept biblical prophecy. Thank you for taking a moment to study the book with us. We've been focused on the book of Jeremiah, which is a unique prophecy. In fact, that's the title of a five-hour audio series that I have available. You can get it through going to our bookstore at our website, or you can call our toll-free number. Let me give you the website address. It's prophecytoday.com. Prophecy P-R-O-P-H-E-C-Y, prophecytoday.com. That prophecy today is one word. You can go there and go to our shopping mall and order your copy of this five-hour audio series on CD, Jeremiah, A Unique Prophecy. Or call our toll-free number. It's 877-674-3298. Simple way to remember it, 8-PROPHECY-8. That's toll-free from across America, 877-674-3298. I'm Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you for taking a few moments to study the Word of God with me as we've taken a look at the book. We need to stay in the book to understand the times in which we're living. And as we understand the times, we'll realize that the rapture of the church could actually take place at any moment. In fact, in the next moment. And having said that, there's nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until...